Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. We've done this in a car. We've done it in a hotel room. We usually do it in my basement today. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Convention Center. I'm that one show slash podcast slash streaming service that's originating from Radio Row in Arizona. I'm the only one. In fact, as you can see behind me, I'm one of thousands. I'm here in the zoo, in the slop. I've been coming uh, to the Super Bowl. The first one I ever came to was Giants Patriots, the first one, 18 and 0 Patriots. And I've been coming to Radio Row all those years. That was, that was a different lifetime ago. And this is what I'm supposed to tell you. What's really changed over the years, hasn't changed at all. You know what's changed? The sponsorships. Everything else is the same. The card tables, the plates of cookies that get brought out and are gone in three seconds. The mascots, the cheerleaders, the Hooters girls, the guy who built the stadium out of Legos, the guy who built the stadium out of snacks and sandwiches. They're all here. They're all here. Great football players with cans of dog food. They're all here. The phrase teamed up. So great football player. We understand you've teamed up with uh, this uh, real estate app. Oh, yes, we're doing exciting work. It's all the same. I'm not even going to get into it. That's my little spiel on radio. You've probably heard it from a thousand shows already. I have a lot of other things to get into today on Kyle Brandt's Convention Center. I had a life memory last night in which I was in front of every single person in my chosen industry, in the pro football industry that you love and consume, screaming and bellowing angry runs. I did the angry run segment in full at NFL Honors uh, on the stage, in the audience, in the crowd. I'm going to just I'm going to empty the bag and tell you all my memories of it. Good, bad and otherwise. It was a wild experience. I think it was good. <laughs> it was nuts. I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk about the game itself. Of course, Eagles Chiefs. I love the matchup. They're good. Both these teams are good. We, we go into some of these matchups and they're dogs, not this one. Uh, and then also what I hate. I hate the idea that one of the players in this game is going to lose. But I love you guys and I love being here in the great state of Arizona. Great state in the beautiful state of Arizona. We're going to get into it all with what I love. Here we go. What I hate. And yeah, what's hilarious, Super Bowl? Eagles Chief still works. It still works for me. We have known that this is going to be the matchup now for 12 days. 12 days after a bizarre NFC title game and then after the bizarre officiating game, the AFC title game, we knew we were going to get Chiefs-Eagles. It felt good at the time. It feels even better now. Two one seeds, both off the bye through the playoffs, both now off another bye going into the Super Bowl. You've seen all the similarities. They have identical record. They even have identical points scored throughout the years. I just love it. You ever get that sense sometimes that Man, we're due for a Super Bowl blowout. We just the, the gods have been have been good to us. We're due for a 38 to 6 or one of those terrible ones like the Patriots Rams one when it was Jared Goff and Sean McVay and they scored 3 points. It's the most boring sporting event I've ever sat through. Sometimes you get the sense we're due for that. I don't get any sense of that with Eagles Chiefs this year round. Do you? I have no little tingle in my pinky that this is going to be awful and we're all going to be bored by the third quarter. I like this one. I like it a lot for all the reasons we've talked about for two weeks. I also like my system. I have a system I've been developing over the years. It's difficult to pick uh, a champion, to pick winners in this type of game. You go back and forth. I, I feel like most people I talk to like the Eagles, maybe like a 60-40 split Eagles-Chiefs. But I've run into this before because in what I do, you're forced essentially at professional gunpoint to give a prediction and you got to give a final score prediction and that they just like put it up there and people eat it up. So if you're ever stuck and you don't have a gut feeling or you just don't have some overwhelming idea about where you're going, this is what you do. 
and this is what I did this year, and I'm going to share my results with you. Just get into the two teams. Try to not think about the coaches exclusively and the quarterbacks, which is what 80% of these conversations are about. Look at the roster for Team A, Team B. You can even print it if you want to. Get a little pen out, a little highlighter. You put one next to the other. 22 starters versus 22 starters. And you go position by position, and you have a little game of who's better at this position. In other words, you have two left tackles that will be playing this game, one for the Eagles, one for the Chiefs. Who has the better left tackle? Who has the better middle linebacker? Who has the better quarterback? Who has the better safety? You just go up and down and down until you get a score of here's where I come out. This team has won this something to something, meaning something adds up to 22. First time I ever tried this was the last Eagles Super Bowl. It was Eagles-Patriots, and the Patriots had a better coach and a better quarterback but that Eagles team was seemed to be really stacked and have a huge roster, and I did it, and I did the math, and it came out overwhelmingly in favor of the Eagles are having better roster top to bottom, position to position. So let's do it right here. I've already done this. This is now this version of Eagles Chiefs. Position by position, um, here's where I come out. There are not a ton that the Chiefs are better at than the Eagles. If you look at a given position on the field, there are not a ton where the Eagles man is inferior to the Chiefs man. They, the Eagles guy is almost always better. In fact, the only places that I have it, um, I have Eagles left guard deficiency. They're losing Joe Tooney versus Landon Dickerson. I have that matchup. I have Trey Smith, Isaac Samulo. Okay, these are the ones in favors for the Chiefs. Position to position, the Chiefs have a better guy. I think Juan Thornhill is a better safety than the Eagles have. I think Chris Jones is better than the Eagles guy. I think Jarek McKinnon at the RB2 is slightly better than the Eagles guy. And then I got Kelsey and I got Mahomes and I have that's it. So what I just said was the 22 positions, I have a score of 15 to seven. 15 to seven, the Eagles have a better player than the Chiefs. Now, if you wanna put in Harrison Butker over Jake Elliott, I'll give it to you. Jake Elliott's a good kicker. And it may come down to kickers, but I can even make it then another point for the Chiefs if you're really scrounging for it. But my score of the Eagles-Chiefs prediction, the Super Bowl, the whose guy is better, 15-7 to in favor of the Eagles. Now, you might say, well, that 7 includes the quarterback, which should count as more. Sure, maybe. It also includes Kelsey, who's a superstar, one of the maybe 10 best players in the NFL. That should count as more. And this doesn't include the coaches. That's all fine. That's why it's difficult to pick. It's a Super Bowl. Both the teams are really good. They both won the conference. They're both excellent teams. But I will boil it down to that, 15 to 7. You want to you wanna pick a winner? Someone's asking you at work, in your family, on your text chain, who do you got? Do that instead of yourself. Maybe you'll come up with different results. Maybe you'll come up with a completely different deal, and, and you'll say, no, Jordan Mailata is not a superior tackle, and you'll go up and down the rush. That's fine. I'll tell you right here in Kyle Brandt's Convention Center, Eagles 15, Chiefs 7. They got 15 great players. Chiefs have seven great players, and they win that matchup. That's why the Philadelphia Eagles win 31-20, to and we all win because we get to see Rihanna, who I was told this week is Rihanna, not Rihanna. And yet, if you go into the deep dive of it, Rihanna herself has called herself Rihanna. So I think I'm going to stick with Rihanna, and I'm going to be proud of it. I'm sticking with Rihanna, and I'm going Eagles 31, Chiefs 20. Let's get, though, to what I hate. Come on. looking at Sean Payton right over there. Talked to Sean for a while this morning. Just awesome, charismatic storyteller. Very, very, very easy guy to interview. 
I never had much FaceTime with Sean during his Saints years. I had met him once or twice, but I always looked at him as just this coach on the sideline who was pretty cool and the players liked him, could be cantankerous at times, fine. Off the air, he's awesome. He's really cool, like a guy that you want to hang out with. But what I hate, though, um, has nothing to do with Sean Payton. I'm just painting the picture as you see. What's your sleep number? We don't talk about them. They're over there. What I hate is the idea that Jalen Hurts could not be back to a Super Bowl and he could lose this one. You know, I've been talking about this for really all season. I really like Jalen Hurts more than I like most good quarterbacks. Great. We get it. He's good. He plays really well. No, I like him as a person. I like his journey. I like all of that stuff. I like the way he handles himself with the media. I like all of it. I like handles him with his teammates. I like the way he dresses. I like the way he looks. I like the way he throws. Oh, my gosh. What are you? It's a Hall of Famer. Are you kidding me? DeMarcus Ware. It's amazing. He wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica. What are you doing? Just saying hi. I love you. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful coat. So that's that's the Demarcus Ware is a Hall of Fame. We're trying to get him in the camera shot. I'm so sorry, but that was so cool. That's what happens here on the row. I haven't talked to Demarcus in a long time. Great, great player. I think for a couple of years, maybe two, maybe three years, I think Demarcus Ware was the best player in the NFL. Meaning, number one, if you were to rank all the players, number one player in the entire NFL. He was that good. He also talks a lot about how he started shaving his head and how he hit the shaved head thing right as Jason Statham was trying to make it cool and that he was like on the cusp of it being cool to be Bob. Anyway, he just crashed the set. We love that. What was I talking about? Jalen Hurts? All right. So, yeah, I love Jalen Hurts. Blah, blah. We get it. Here's what I don't love. Um, there's this assumption these days that when you're a young quarterback, it gets to a Super Bowl. Well, if you don't get it, you won't win it. You know, you'll get back. You're so good. You're still so young. All your best years are ahead of you. That is naive BS. BS. I think we'll get back. Listen, the idea of someone getting there early and because they got there as such a young player, they will at least get to a few more over the span of the next 12 to 15 years is such a crock. Ask Dan Marino that. Ask Aaron Rodgers that. Dan Marino and Aaron Rodgers, probably the two most gifted players to ever throw a football in the NFL. They both got to Super Bowls very young. One guy won, one guy didn't, and they never got back. So the idea that Jalen Hurts, oh, you lost this one 34 to 30. Well, this Eagles team is so good, and he's so young and so talented to be back. That's nonsense. Don't believe in that. Cash that in while you get there. These people think they're going to be Tom Brady and go to all these Super Bowls, or even not even Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. You go to a few. No, you won't. You know who came by right before the set? Matt Hasselbeck. All right? Love Matt Hasselbeck. Went to one Super Bowl. Lost. Never went back. Sometimes it happens that way. And the list is longer than you think. I don't want Jalen Hurst to join it. Here's the list of guys who went to a Super Bowl and lost and never got back. It's a long list. All right. Chronological order. Stan Humphreys, Chargers quarterback. Probably the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched. Got destroyed by the Niners. I don't really put him in the top of the group. Neil O'Donnell, Steelers quarterback. You'll be back. The Steelers are irrelevant every year. Nope. Basically threw the Super Bowl away to the Cowboys' loss. Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Young Drew Bledsoe on the Patriots. Bill Parcells is his head coach. Huge arm. Number one over a pick. Drew Bledsoe will be back. No. Won a Super Bowl, but as a backup. Drew Bledsoe never won it as a starter. Chris Chandler, no, that Falcons team. That Falcons team robbed us of the Vikings team playing the Broncos. Steve McNair, how about that? He came up one yard short. Never got back in his career. Kerry Collins, absolutely obliterated by the Buccaneers. Or by the uh, Ravens. Rich Gannon, absolutely buccaneer, uh, buccaneered by the Buccaneers. <laughs> I'm so excited about this list. I'm using the mascots as verbs. Jake DeLome. All right, Jake DeLome's a good one. He had a massive performance in the second half against the Patriots, won a very close game, never got back. 
Donovan McNabb against the Patriots never got back. We can keep going. Matt Hasselbeck, I just mentioned him. Rex Grossman never got back. Colin Kaepernick. Now that's an interesting one. Kaepernick was one throw away in the blackout game from beating the Ravens in New Orleans. Career took a dramatically different turn, and he never got back. You know who else never got back? Cam Newton. Never got back. Cam Newton was the MVP. He was the LeBron of the NFL, the most unbelievable athletic specimen. Put the dab on the map. I was talking to Ron Rivera earlier today. He was his head coach on that Panthers team. Do you remember the Panthers-Broncos Super Bowl? Here's what I remember about it. It's the cool, fun, rock and roll Panthers team against the Broncos who had got crushed the year before in the Super Bowl. Peyton, Von Miller, everybody was on the Panthers that year. You went around Radio Row or that Super Bowl, I think it was in San Francisco. Um, everybody was on the Panthers. It was just a moment of time that they're all gonna win the Super Bowl and dab and it was all on Carolina. And then Cam got rocked by guess who? To Marcus Ware. That's so cool. Got rocked early, fumbled, and the game was pretty much over. Cam didn't jump on the fumble. Cam never got back. Never. Um, that's a perfect example. Matt Ryan, I don't know if you remember the football he played in, but he had a considerable lead in the game. Never got back. Didn't really sniff it with the Colts last year. That was something. Um, we'll keep going. Jared Goff. Look, Jared Goff maybe still could. If the Detroit thing keeps rising next year, who knows? Are you betting on the Detroit Lions to get to the Super Bowl? Probably not. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, one throw, one throw to Emmanuel Sanders down the middle of the field. If he hits that throw, they probably win that game. I don't know if he's ever getting back. We don't know where he's playing. And then, of course, Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow was back in the title game. It was one game away, and he's obviously the favorite to get back, with all due respect to uh, Rich Gannon and Stan Humphreys. Joe Burrow maybe get back, but Joe Burrow maybe not ever. That's the perfect example of what I'm talking about with Jalen Hurts. Everybody looks at Joe Burrow and they say, well, that's all right. You know, he lost that one early. He'll get back. How do you know that? Do you have that much faith in the Cincinnati Bengals as an organization, not exactly sterling over the decades, that they're going to do all their contractual stuff, all their salary cap stuff, they're going to draft well, Burrow's going to stay healthy. Burrow takes a ton of hits, already had one huge injury. I don't want it to happen to him, but the idea that it's just a given that Joe Burrow will get a chance to avenge his Super Bowl loss is BS. I remember George Kittle standing on the sideline of the Niners Super Bowl that they lost to the Chiefs, and he's mic'd up saying in the final seconds, he said, Whatever I have to do, I will get back here. I vow I will get back. I will return to this game. He has not been back. <laughs> he has not been back. You don't get to get back. Jalen Hurts, make this one count. This is, I'm going to say, not only probably, but likely the only Super Bowl you ever play. It is just too difficult to get back. The NFC, AFC doesn't matter. Too competitive. I like you. I'm a fan of yours. Don't let this one get away. Win this one. I would hate to see him blow it. Let's get to what's hilarious. I'm going to need to carbo load for this one. All right. Doing angry runs at NFL Honors last night was hilarious, question mark. I'm not even sure how to describe it. So I've been doing angry runs on the NFL Network for about five years. I get up once a week. I pick out the runs where somebody trucks another guy or stiff arms them, and I scream about it, and then I mail them a scepter. It sounds absurd, but it's true. The players get it. They love it. They always take a picture. They tweet about it. I see them in the off season. I see them when they come on as guests. They say, let me get a scepter. I'm going to get a scepter. Just recently, Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles said during the playoffs, I'm trying to get a scepter. He said it in his postgame press conference next week. He won it. We sent it to him. So uh, I was incredibly honored to be asked to not only present a scepter at NFL Honors. When they first said, yeah, you should do an Angry Runs Award for Angry Run of the Year. I said, great. Okay. So it'll be the voiceover guy. Now, please welcome Kyle Brandt. And maybe they put me with a classic angry runner. And Marshawn Lynch. 
we come out, we do our witty banter from the teleprompter, I read the finals, they come up, they make an acceptance speech like they do at every award show ever. They said, no, 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 we want you to do the segment. <laughs> do the segment? You mean all that, all that? They're like, yeah, yeah. And it'd be really cool because maybe we can have your finalists for the Angry Run of the Year and we can invite them there and they'll be in the crowd. And maybe you run up and down the aisles of the crowd and like kind of hype them up. And as you're talking about their runs, they're there and they're reacting to you reacting to them. And I said, wow, that's really aggressive. Um, I'm flattered that you want that and that's really ambitious. And so, I, you know, I'm going to say yes, that's bold as hell. My concern is just like, a, it's a unique room. I, I usually do the angry runs for an audience of three live people on a television set in New York. I'm going to go to Arizona and effectively do it in the middle of prom here in Super Bowl week. And they said, let's go for it. So I was, as I've talked about on the show, really nervous because it's not just going up there and reading and announcing a winner. It's it's like doing a whole transformation and screaming and sweating and my mic comes off and it, my fly is down. I'm always a hot mess during that segment. That's part of the reason the segment works. So you get there last night. I go through a rehearsal. You go, th they have, a, if the show starts at seven, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, they have a rehearsal where you show up at your time and they give you a mic and they got all the lights and the live band is there and it's really cool. And, um, did the rehearsal, ran up and down the audience. You see in the audience in the, in the chairs, they've got those pictures of the, the cards of like, here's Aaron Jones and here's Jared Goff and here's whoever. That's where they're going to be sitting. That's kind of cool to look at. And I was excited after the rehearsal and I felt really good about how it went. And I think all the people in charge of the show did too. So I get to the show. I show up. I'm in my seat. Um, the honors is such a trip because if you get to go in there, whether you have a good seat or a crappy seat, and I've had both, like it's just, it's like being at, Oh my God! Ah, Nate. <laughs> love you, brother. Nate, I love you too. Nate, Nate's a I kisser. You, I know you're working right now. I just want it's to say okay. what's up. This is the greatest, Nate. Um, you came in. How many times have you could kiss me over the years? I don't know. We've made out a few times. Many, right yeah. on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it right now. Get out of here. That's Nate. That's 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 truly my brother. That's my guy. I'm all flushed. It's the most action I've gotten in weeks. Um, anyway, this is what happens in the Radio Bro Show. Anyway. So I get there, and um, uh, Honors is amazing. It's like a pro football Comic-Con. It's like you, you're seeing Wolverine and the Fantastic Four and the, the guys from Star Wars, just whatever. You, everywhere you look is someone that you grew up watching or that is currently on your fantasy team, and it's really cool. So you sit down, the show starts. It's Kelly Clarkson. She's amazing. She's got great energy. And I knew that about an hour in, someone comes and taps you on the shoulder and takes you out of your seat and sits you down to take you backstage so that you can be announced to come out. Sure enough, they get this guy, comes get me. I, I, I have to say a lot in the segment that I have all these lines and things stacked on top of my head. There's no teleprompter, it's difficult. So I go back into the green room. You get to the green room, that is where the staging area where either all the people who are about to present or maybe already did present are just hanging out because there's a bar and food in there. So I see all, like some of my people, I see Peter Schrager, I see Carissa Thompson, I see Joel McHale, who I've always loved. Um, Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders are in there, who are my childhood idols, like crazy. They're sitting there at the Gold Jackets, Hall of Fame stuff. Rich Eisen, Jerry Jones, um, Terry Bradshaw, who's just holding court. And, I, you know, I'm still really nervous and tense. Well, if you thought I was nervous and tense then, check out where this goes. So then they bring you like a segment before when you're like maybe a three or four minutes from going on. It's all live. So there's no taping. It's on a clock. I walk out to the wings of the theater, like in kind of the side stage, and they put the microphone on you. And I had to wear one of these headset mics because I was going to be running around. So I have like the Britney Spears microphone. 
And I'm standing next to Jamar Chase, who had no idea who I was and is wearing sunglasses in a very, very dark backstage. I run into Kelly Clarkson, who I'm a huge fan of. She comes by, is amazing, gives me a hug. We talk about our kids, just absolutely delightful person. Loved her. And then something got weird. And as I'm getting nervous and they're like, all right, you're almost up. You're the next segment. I noticed that there's a large crowd of people with a larger than usual, let's call it a, a um, following or an entourage, or whatever you want as they walk past me. I was like, what is all this commotion? This is the segment that was going to be on directly before me. And I look up and I do this double take as this person walks by me. I'm like, that's Damar Hamlin. That's Damar Hamlin. Oh my gosh, I've, I've never met him in person, but this is the person that everyone's been talking about the whole world really for the past six weeks. And he's going backstage to go on set, on, on stage. So this, the group before I do angry runs is the entire Buffalo Bills medical staff and really the first major public appearance by Damar Hamlin since what happened on Monday Night Football. So the medical staff goes out there Immediate standing ovation for the entire theater. Beautiful moment. Then Damar comes out as this sort of surprise unveiling to the theater. People are crying. He comes out and says, I have to thank God that I can even be here today to talk to you. They got a shot of Roger Goodell. He's got a tear going down his cheek, like a beautiful moment. And I'm, I look over and I go to this like stage, I go, I'm going after this. And he, go, he goes, yeah, yeah, you're up next. And I'm like, do you understand that my segment that I'm doing is about people hitting each other and it's about ferocity and screaming references to, to video games and lighting people up and stiff arms? I'm coming after this. And I think the guy was trying to help me and he goes, yeah, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, after my moment like this, you're going to bring the energy back up. And I go, no, the energy's up. The energy's way up. The people are having a religious experience out there. They're crying tears of joy. I'm going to be screaming and making Mario Kart jokes. <laughs> what? We're, this is how we're doing it? But Dave Chamberlain, who runs the whole thing, who is like the czar of NFL honors, had a vision. And so I got to go out there and I'm like, after they do the DeMar Hamlin thing and they clear the stage of the walking miracle and the human inspiration to all of us, and I go out there to wave my scepter around in my T-shirt, I have to acknowledge it, right, what just happened? I can't go on stage and be like, first up, Najee Harris. Like, I have to say something. So they finally say, all right, here you go. And the band starts playing. And the announcer, from NFL Network, Kyle Brandt. And they play this like heavy metal music. And at that moment, I'm like, I should stop. Like, the, Do I just get out of here and walk, turn around and just, sorry, I couldn't do it. Like, This is this crossroads moment. And I said, too late for that. So I run out in my ad lib. Understand when I do anger runs, I'm not talking to you like I'm talking to you now. I come out and I talk like this the whole time. So I come out and I go, we just saw uh, something beautiful on this stage. And now uh, let's do something fun. So that was my most ham-handed, paper-thin, at least acknowledgement of this person who nearly lost his life playing the game that I'm about to triumph the physicality of. And I guess it sort of worked. But then I went into this two and a half minute vortex of being down in the crowd, screaming about this player, that player, this stiff arm, this broken tackle. And understand while this is going on, I'm running around and I said, it's, it's Comic-Con. So there's just faces that flash in front of me as I'm working, as I'm running, as I'm on this live mic on live television, doing something I've really never done before in that type of setting. It's just faces. And I'll be like, Meek Mill's face flashes, and then I run, and it's 
George Kittle and it's Christian McCaffrey. It's it's Tracy Morgan. <laughs> it's Roger Goodell, Orlando Pace, Ron Rivera. Just in front of me, just one after another after another. And it, at that point, you just go. If you stop talking, it's over. So you just go. And I'm about come, becoming aware that I'm sweating and my microphone is getting loose. And uh, the words are just flying out of me as I wanted them to a million miles an hour. And the thing about the finalists that we had for Angry Runs last night, it wasn't this star-studded group. It wasn't, I don't know, Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey and maybe Alvin Kamara, just people who are household names. The first guy was Rashad White, who was a rookie for the Buccaneers, who had a nice season, but is, you know, is not the guy who is selling jerseys across the country. So I run up to Rashad White. And I had to make sure I knew what Rashad White looked like because they told me he was going to be a certain seat. But I'm like, all right, I think I know what he looks like. But he had long hair before and here was braided. So I run up to him and I'm screaming, you're awesome. Look what you did. Look what you did. And he's just kind of chill. He's got sunglasses on. He's not really giving me anything. He's not fist pumping. All right. Then it was suggested to me that as I'm going through hyping these running backs in the audience, that right next to them is Jim Brown, who is, in fact, the inventor of the Angry Run. So I went to just a brief, a brief, respectful acknowledgement of Jim Brown, who, um, you know, is I don't think was was terribly interested. Respectfully, I love Jim Brown, and then I went to Damian Pierce. Now Damian Pierce is another rookie for the Texans, nominated. Damian Pierce gave me a smile. He was excited. He seemed to get it. His run was amazing. And the funny thing is, as I'm talking to Damian Pierce and Jim Brown's behind him, not paying attention, not interested, across the aisle, meaning from here, four feet away to here, is Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell is the MVP of the whole thing. He gets the game ball because he's familiar with Angry Runs. We've talked about it before. He likes to watch Good Morning Football because it's on his network, so he knows it. And he's just laughing and supporting and turning and fist pumping. If I had had 2,000 Goodells in the thing, we would have blown the roof off the place. He was my MVP by far because then we get to the end. I have to go to Najee Harris. Now, the idea was that Najee Harris was on the other end of the theater. He was seated there deliberately so that I can sprint across the auditorium, lighten up the place a little bit. Frankly, he needed a little energy at that point. So I'm running across Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, McCaffrey, Kirk Cousins, Kittle, all those guys. And I scream out, where is Najee Harris? Show me Najee Harris. And Najee's sinking down in his seat. I'm going to fall off the stage. Nick, Najee's sinking down in his seat because like, I think he maybe doesn't want to be part of this, even though he knows that this is the award that he's nominated for. So I'm screaming, where's Najee Harris? And initially I was doing it as shtick, but then I was actually screaming it because I didn't know where he was. So I had a friend. At desperate times, someone stepped up to help me. And the guy sitting behind Najee Harris was Calais Campbell, who is probably the biggest human being in the entire theater. So he stands up, and I can't see Calais, but I, I can't see Najee, but I see Calais. And he's up behind him going, right here, right here, like just calling him out. So I said, thank you, Calais, thank God. And then Najee was just down in his seat. And I, I think Najee has a quirky personality and picks his spots. He was not picking this spot to show his quirky personality. And I was trying to get something out of him. And I'm hyping him and I'm screaming. And I'm. Meanwhile, the whole theater is watching him stiff arm this guy into oblivion. And you would think that that guy would, that would be like a puff your chest out moment for Najee. No, he was sucking the chest in. I finally got him to say anything, which I literally think was the word sure, which is not a great word, especially in a segment about excitement. So I get up, I finish, and then I go down to the theater, and I got a three finalists out, and I'm about to say, and the winner is, and I noticed that right in front of me, like as close as this camera feels to me right now, was Saquon. And Saquon's sitting there, he's got a beautiful bow tie on, 
And Saquon has won angry runs a few times before. And he's looking up at me and I'm like, I don't even, I can't even describe the face. It was a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of uh, confusion and, and just a tad of concern. <laughs> and I respected the concern, Saquon. So I took him on my, hey, Saquon, next year, you're going to win this next year. Then I announced Damian Pierce. I run over. He seems pleased. At least he's smiling. He seems to understand what happened. I give him the scepter, and it was over. And Roger Goodell claps his damn hands off for me. Couldn't appreciate it more. Most important person in the whole theater was the most excited person in the whole theater. And then it was over. And I get back to the green room, and there's a whole bunch of people in there. Uh, they're, great job. That was crazy. And I was still sweating and still breathing really heavy. I feel like I still kind of am. I, st I still think I'm breathing heavy from that. I got through it. I don't know if any of the people who got the scepter knew what planet I was on, but just so many faces. Many of them, I think, a little scared, but some of them happy, and those are my people. Calais Campbell and Roger Goodell. <laughs> Roger Goodell. <laughs> Loved it. I'm big in those demos. Um, so that was it. Lifetime memory. If you want to see the entire thing that I just described, uh, it's on my Twitter. It's on NFL. Maybe I'll pin it to the top of my profile. You can see it right now because... I can tell the story as thoroughly as I just did. And believe me, you need the video and the audio to really do it justice. I ran, I run out of the, the, the lobby afterwards. First person I see is a, a George Pataki, the former governor of New York. I'm like, am I on acid right now? <laughs> what, what the hell world did I just run into and run out of? Kind of like Radio Row here. I haven't been kissed on the show in at least 15 minutes. And no new Hall of Famers have come by. So I might be the reading on the writing on the wall here. I want to thank all the crew here, the wonderful men and women here with Omaha Productions. Great people. And I want to give them a special shout out. They have a giant tub of quench gum. Remember quench gum you get at the sporting goods store when you're a kid? And it would like tell you to uh, you could chew it while you were playing basketball and it would miraculously quench your thirst. I love it. I still chew it. Wish the flavor lasted a little longer, but it's a it's a it's a it's a medicinal gum. It's not for pleasure. It's to get you hydrated so you can drop thirty points, or in my case, scream for two and a half minutes in NFL honors. Guys, that's it. That's all we got here. That's all we're gonna do from Kyle Brandt's convention center. The next time I talk to you, we're gonna know who the Super Bowl champ is, Super Bowl MVP, who's going to Disneyland, who blew it, uh, how great was Greg Olson on the call. Kevin Burkhardt never gets mentioned anymore. It's always about Olsen. Burkhardt, amazing, too. That's it. That's Kyle Branch Convention Center. Maybe we'll do it again next year. We're checking all the boxes, cars, hotels, convention centers. Our favorite one, though, is the basement where we will be back Monday. I love you guys. Thank you. Please see your way out past the uh, the sleep number and all the myriad of uh, other um, gambling companies who are spending money to have talent here. And enjoy yourself here in the beautiful state of Arizona. See you back in New York.